Yeah, we can be recording. Okay. Abby, <laughs> Abby, take the wheel. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, Jesus. Um, are, are you really? <laughs> Abby is my co-pilot. <laughs> okay. Um, so this week, we are going to be talking about the unexpected consequences. Whoa, 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 of... whoa, whoa, whoa. Spoiler whoa. alert. What? Whoa, what? You didn't give away what we're talking about right now? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like when you watch a movie and in the preview to the movie, they tell you stuff from the movie to advertise the soundtrack. Come on now. <laughs> All right. So then let's dick around for five minutes and record it. <laughs> like we usually do instead and get all the listeners really annoyed with us let's do that (laughs) sophie sophie what do you want to talk about instead of the topic we're talking about jesus christ (laughs) hey that's you (laughs) all right okay all right i'll shut up Uh, let's uh let's start the podcast (laughs) welcome to how do you engineer (laughs) abby is talking it's a podcast (laughs) all right so what are we talking about you you now you now have permission from pete to tell the listener what we're talking about (laughs) oh thank you so much pete um this week we are talking about the unexpected consequences of robots and advancing technology um and not not the sad stuff, not the everyone's going to lose their jobs and you won't be able to feed your family stuff, but <laughs> these are, these the are little the, stuff. These are the, the, the unexpected consequences as opposed to like the robocalypse. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> not the, uh, what is it? The singularity? Yes. Yeah, well, no, that, not that. So while that's going on, this is, we, we're, we're going to talk about like the day-to-day change, like life-changing things, but smaller, the smaller, more very, like homey yeah. life changes. Yeah. The things that, impact you kind of immediately and as a person or as a family unit or whatever first world problems Um, so this was prompted by um, my parents getting a robotic vacuum about six months ago Mm. Um, and initially i thought that was kind of silly and then now it runs every single day at 9 30 a.m and it's awesome yeah and uh personally i want one for my house in where i live now with my husband um, just because of the convenience and I'm so sick of sweeping all the time. However, there's like the little things like that robot can't fit underneath my couch. And if it went underneath my desk, I have like all these wires and all these cables. And so I was thinking when robot vacuums become more of a thing and like every single person has them, is that going to impact the way we design our furniture or the way we design our homes in terms of, you know, the corners and, and the little tight spots and stuff like that? Mm. <laughs> I could see that because like the the architectural step where you've like I've got a living room that's like like eight inches lower than the rest of my house and it's like one step mm-hmm. down from the well I don't but like if you did have one like it's something you see in a lot of houses where it's like they've got the one step down into another room or yeah, like a slightly yeah. depressed like entrance way or something and like the trade off for that is you're not gaining as much from that as you're losing in terms of mobility for rolling devices if you've got intelligent devices. So that's kind exactly. of... I mean, I, part of the reason why robotics has always trended to a certain extent towards bipedal robots or quadrupedal robots, um, like the Boston Dynamics ones and things like that, it isn't just because they look kind of neat and they're, they're analogous to a dog or a donkey or um, stuff like that. It's because our world is built for bipedal and to a certain extent quadrupedal things. And so if you build robots that have two legs, then they can navigate through the human world much more easily than 
they can if you're designing a robot that isn't the same as a person. Yeah. It doesn't move the same way as a person. But like the mm-hmm. world's the cheapest bipedal robots are like a thousand or like several thousand dollars. Yeah, I'm just saying yeah. that's why they do it. I'm not saying that it's it's feasible at the moment. Yeah. No, it, mm-hmm. like it, it might be more cost effective in the long run to design your house, like design your world in a more accessible like wheel accessible mm-hmm. all buildings should be wheelchair accessible well it, it becomes yeah there's there's a motivation beyond like what should be a- accessibility for for like wheelchairs should be a good enough reason to make it accessible but possibly like the um the selfish motivation of now my robot butler can get into my house might, might be more effective <laughs> that might be the ultimate the ultimate motivation yeah <laughs> We we see a revolution a revolution in accessibility just because people want to have robot butlers yeah. <laughs> just in time for exoskeletons to come and replace wheelchairs <laughs> yeah exactly um, actually that your comment about like corners that would be another interesting interesting thing would be like whether you whether you round off corners slightly just so there isn't like the spots that are hard for robots to clean mm-hmm. just little things like that and you know sometimes you have a little you know jet out of a wall or a column or something and. I imagine those should be all but eliminated. Hmm. Or also, like we were saying recently that the telepresence robot that you use to telecommute occasionally, it's it's great, but it can't open doors. Yeah, doors are yeah. hard. So you have to kind of, I don't know, message somebody on Slack or something if you want to get it from one part of the building to the other. Mm-hmm. Or yell really loudly. Yeah. <laughs> or or does it go to like the, does it become an aesthetic thing where now you have doors that are really, really light so that they can actually be pushed out of the way by robots? Like doors yeah. don't, doors don't need to be heavy. You could, we could make our, our doors out of like foam core and they'd still have the, uh, acoustic, the acoustic ability yeah. to block out. Hmm. It's, it's people like heavy doors cause they feel solid. Yeah, and I they, think like, they in feel most buildings way. like ours, they're they're fire safety doors, are they not? But I can't imagine that like a metal door is any is any more safe in a fire than like a fire retardant foam encased in like a plastic. Yeah, yeah. Assu- assuming the door itself is 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 sufficiently resistant to fire, I don't imagine a metal door is any necessarily any better. No, I think it is. I think you're right. I think it's like knob feel. It's a thing that people have come to associate with quality. Yeah, I would say people would buy, it yeah. actually could be kind of hilarious the day you like replace the door with like the really light foam door and people just start like flinging it open because they expect <laughs> it to be way yeah. heavier. If it's as durable, like if, if it doesn't fall apart or if you bang into it with a cart, it doesn't like disintegrate. Then yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, I, yeah. But I can see the like the doors that you have now at, in in a lot of houses are just it's a it's a cardboard honeycomb inside of a wood like a, a wood veneer mm-hmm. so there mm-hmm. there's not a lot to that either but uh you'd have to design it in such a way that you could also if it's latched you have to be able to unlatch it with a robot yeah which could be a slightly more complicated process so i mean changing gears a little bit um what about does the same apply to autonomous cars like are we going to design highways and throughways and intersections more importantly differently for autonomous vehicles like hmm. i've been thinking a lot about pedestrians and how pedestrians interact with autonomous cars and bicyclists and stuff like that like can you once you have autonomous vehicles can you design the the way the i don't know how to generically term I, well, transportation we, ways but well I'm, I'm wondering if you have like less of a design thing but a, a social 
structure of like you look both ways before crossing the street kind of thing is does it become then it's your need to signal in a certain way like when you walk to the side of the street you hold your hand out into the street to be like i'm going to step out which signals to cars going by like is there going to be a social structure where you, mm-hmm. you you let the you let the autonomous cars know when you're going to step out into the road? That is really interesting because generally autonomous mm-hmm. cars are going to prioritize pedestrian safety over progress in their their particular task of going somewhere. So mm-hmm. theoretically, especially in a bigger city, if everyone jaywalked, no one would ever drive anywhere because all like the autonomous vehicles would always stop. And always know that somebody was going to step out into traffic and so they would slow down. And then if somebody jaywalked and everyone else just jaywalked behind them, you'd literally just never go anywhere. <laughs> oh my gosh. Big cities would be a nightmare. Like in intersections, if all the pedestrians in intersections just ignored their signals and yeah. just always just crossed. Yeah, no. Because you're, you're much more guaranteed that the cars are going to stop. Yeah, for sure. Well, that was, I mean, that was one of the things that we, that we, I don't know if we mentioned in a previous episode, like the, the fear that robot cars are going to get bullied by other drivers because they are going to be programmed to be very defensive drivers. Mm-hmm. You may end up in a, in a, in an, a self-driving car that just can't go anywhere because everyone cuts it off constantly. Yeah. You get stuck in mm-hmm. one of the, the merge lanes or something. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyway, that's, that's going to be, that's a social change. It'll have to change the way that we interact with, like if we are driving alongside autonomous cars, the way we interact with other drivers. Um, but it's almost like if you have to start setting up like gates or something so that people can't actually like physically jaywalk or stuff like that at particular intersections or I, I was I thinking know. like expressway and collector versions of roads mm. where you've so got like, like you can only get into the don't exp- walk across the expressway versions. They there's tunnels above or underneath or something, you know? I mean that would always be ideal. The the all of the like utopian city designs with that they're always you you have like the surface level is all pedestrian and then all your roadways are always below ground. It's which the same would be with great. it's the same with separated bike lanes. Like ideally if you're designing bike lanes properly in a city they're separated from the road. Yeah. But that isn't always the yeah. case. All right, we've kind of diverged a little bit from I think <laughs> I, no. Well no, I mean like the the the, the design of the city, I don't think that it's going to be you may see more cities where you have segregated driving areas because it's going to be easier for automated cars but that's probably not going to be like the way that cities are designed on some level you're going to have to have like vehicles dealing with pedestrians but what you will if you get to the point where everything's autonomous one of the things that's going to be weird is you won't need signage anymore Oh yeah. Like you won't, you won't mm-hmm. need any, you'll be driving down the highway. There won't be like exit information because your car already knows where you are. Your car knows where you're going. There's absolutely no reason to, and you don't, you don't need to see a sign. You can look on your phone and be like, Oh, I'm 200 kilometers from where I'm going. But I mean, it's not like the, the biggest, uh, like, uh, what's a stupid little kitsch thing that you might find on the side of the road? I don't know. The biggest donkey statue in <laughs> in Texas. The biggest ball of twine. Yeah. Like that sort of thing isn't going to like sp- send you a push notification to be like, oh man, you should exit here. To Why see, wouldn't like, it? I guess. Well, I don't know. I don't the, that would actually be. I'm sure that's going to be exactly big advertising it. It'd be like you, you have your, your Google AdSense is I'm going to go here and it'll be like, would you like to stop at the biggest ball of twine? <laughs> Based on your Amazon search history, <laughs> I, I think that you want to see the largest toenail. Hell. <laughs> Looking at your Google photos, you like really big chairs. <laughs> There's a hilariously large Adirondack chair over here. <laughs> I, actually, that would be really cool. 
I, I want that to be a thing. I want, I, want, I want Google to help me plan my road trip. I mean, they already have, like, Amazon inside cars. I think Ford has a deal with Amazon where they're going to put Echo inside cars. Yeah. It, cool. it w- but it would be kind of interesting where you, if you could push, like, if you were a roadside attraction to, like, literally do AdSense to be like, this person yeah. is driving by. They seem like the kind of person, even or even just, like, you could do it with your... Um, <coughs> If you were like a uh, like a food stand or something, mm. um, with that sort yeah. of thing, where you uh, so this is this is a, a little bit we, we've expanded the like the un, unexpected consequences of having robots, the unexpected consequences of sort of a connected system. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that'll actually be one. Will be like once once your your devices in your car and that know where you're going and what path is going to take you there, and also know the kind of things you're interested in. There will it'll there will be a market for that where you'll be like I am a road I have a roadside stand where I sell like pecans and I know that you were driving from here to here and that you buy pecans from the grocery store so why wouldn't you buy them from my stand kind of thing so you could mm-hmm. you could make intelligent pushes like that which would be kind of cool it's um, way tougher for the little guy though oh for sure yeah. um, well I don't know on the one hand yes but on the other hand it, like if you could directly target people who already buy your product from somebody else um, and target them to say, like, go take a little detour, come off on exit 33 and go over like on this rural road, you're probably going, you might be able to reach more people than you would with like your hand painted sign that says like pecans next exit kind of thing. Maybe. Yeah. I, it's hard to say what, whether it would actually be, a boon for small for small businesses like that or a or a bust i don't know one way or the other it's going to change the way that businesses like that do business um because that was like that, that was one of the things that i've like i thought driving down the road with past a lot of these places is like in the day of, in the days of internet buying things on the internet like do people stop at these roadside stands and buy stuff obviously enough to keep them in business but i don't know that's got to be on the decline um yeah Anyway, part of it's also like they, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about doing long distance road trips with electric vehicles, which is not quite robots, but assuming that autonomous vehicles are going to be electric, um, the, they need to recharge and the recharging stations are because they're being developed now and ha- well, not years and years and years ago. They're, they're obviously pretty corporate. They're, they're going to be like nice, fancy, roadside places that have a starbucks or um whatever fancy pants Mm -hmm. stuff that you want to have in a roadside so you're not necessarily going to stop at a little community gas station where it's attached to a bakery or it's attached to Hmm. another kind of little community thing you're not necessarily going to go into towns to find a gas station or stuff like that because these these charging stations are likely going to be on the highway and they're likely going to be i mean eventually obviously like they might not be, but generally, if you're doing road trips, they're going to be on the highway. And if you're in a town, you're just going to charge from your house, so you don't need yeah. to have a station anymore. That's going to be an interesting thing. The the one when you no longer, when everyone has a gas pump in their garage, exactly. effectively, what happens mm-hmm. to the corner gas? And part of that is like huh. again, like you don't detour. You stay on the highway when you're traveling, and then when you get to where you're going, you go to your destination. You never. You never take a little off route to go, like, see, go get a gas station or go yeah. have a snack or something. You always stop on the yeah. highway. I, I already far prefer stopping at the gas station on the highway to even, like, the gas station that is literally, like, one right turn off of the off ramp. 
It's it's that it's it's one more right turn that I have to take. Um, <laughs> well, left turn to get back on the highway. That's the problem. But yeah, no, I, I that that is, I I think the the ability to recharge in your house and the effect that will have on like what's currently a business where you can have a gas station every block and still have each one make enough money to stay in business. That will probably, as you say, will probably change because a lot of people who are doing minor commuting will charge up at home, drive to work, maybe charge at work and drive home. Like if there's going to be charging stations, if there's going to be a business for it, it'll be in, um, in like setting up large charging setups for businesses for their employees or something where the, mm-hmm. where like it's built into the businesses, um, like their budget kind of thing. That'll be really cool. I yeah, basically I'm genuinely... there, there will be um re, I don't know I don't know they're not really gas stations like rejuvenation stations <laughs> everywhere and nowhere. Like they're they're not going to be where they are now. They're going to be everywhere at it's the distributed. same time nowhere anymore. Yeah. Well, theoretically yeah. like that's the interesting thing. If everyone has a plug-in uh, electric car, then if you run out of gas run out of gas, like run out of power anywhere, Theoretically, you can like knock on anyone's door and be like, I'll pay you for electricity. <laughs> yeah. Can I hang out in your driveway for six hours? Yeah. Well, not, not even, but not even. It'd just be like, you could, you could, you could set up, like anyone could set out a sign and be like, charge here kind of thing and make it a, like a, an Uber kind of model where you could, you could distribute it. You could look online and be like, who near here is willing to let like someone pull up and charge at their house? And then you like, tap or whatever you tap your phone on their device to unlock it you could do like mm-hmm. you could automate it even like they could be outdoors and normally you, you unlock it by using your own like setup but you could make it so that somebody else could use the same setup with their like with their phone or something i'm curious though would having everyone having kind of a charging station at their own home in their driveway in their garage or whatever would that affect the way we build driveways and garages because right now I have a long driveway or I have my parents at their house have a long driveway up into the back and that's where their garage is. But then, you know, the next neighbor's house is right next to there, but their driveway is long and on the other side. Would driveways more be together? Would we have kind of shared electric, you know, charging stations? Yeah. I mean, if you d- if you did have them close enough that you could like you could have each like one central transformer so you're you're not duplicating technology as much. That might be worth it for a lot of places. You mean sort of like the transition in the country that happened over the last few years where you went from having a mailbox at the end of your driveway to having a central mailbox for your community that no one will understand except me. But that's a thing that happened. <laughs> yeah, we have super no we have super boxes too. Yeah. I've uh, only ever had a big box yeah. that all we shared. I'm so not... growing up we had the tiny one at the end of the street with the little flag. The end yeah, of the driveway. Door, the end of the driveway. And then eventually they got rid of them. Yeah, but it it really does have to be at your house, though. Like, would we do more like, you know, laneway garages where all the garages are on the back kind of thing and really kind of connected oh, yeah. to mm. each other? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially, it probably depends on who's getting billed for the power. But Well, yeah, I mean, that's it. and also like what your what your <coughs> ROE is on uh, or ROI, your return on investment on the actual hardware, uh, charging hardware. Like if you're mm. if you're if it's like your water tank where you're renting it from the company. And so there's no real like instantaneous cost to you then everyone will have one and they'll just like basically rent it i mean ideally in an ideal world you have two batteries for your car which is an approach that tesla has has thought about and was actually doing for a while where you don't charge your car 
you charge a battery and then you pull into your garage and your garage changes the battery in your car for the mm. one that's full and takes the empty one and charges it over time. Yeah. Because mm. that way it's a much lower cycle charge and it takes you have much more time to do it because you can even do it potentially purely based on solar. There's low stre- lower stress on the battery. Yeah. And then you have the advantage of if you've got a battery like that built into your house, you can use it to regulate if you're using your solar power for your other yeah. things in your house. Exactly. Because like at one point that was what Tesla started doing as opposed to having the quick charge stations. They had stations where you would pull in and a robotic system would pull the battery out of your car and just replace it with a new one. So you don't have to wait. You just basically pull in. It gives you a new battery and you leave again. Yeah. No, I mean, that would be kind of cool. It'll, it'll be really interesting to see where, how that change in the way people refuel, quote unquote, their car, uh, what effect it has on, especially like, I mean, we, like dri- driving around suburbia, you expect to see like every other corner or every few corners, a gas station on at least one corner of each intersection. So that won't be the case. There will be no reason for it. So what will go there? Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting More to Walmarts. See. <laughs> no, you can't fit Walmarts. Walmarts are now like the size of a small city. So that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's always going to be the sort of thing as it, it always has been where if you have an old house or an old business or an old infrastructure, you can adapt it to emerging technology. But if you're building something new, you're going to build it so that it's more, it's designed for the current and future tech. So, I mean, if you have a parking garage at your office, you can pretty easily add charging stations. But if you're making one from scratch, you might design it so that charging is done more easily or it's uh, it's organized in a way that makes more sense. And the same with houses, like you were saying, are you going to design a house for your robot vacuum? Like if you have a brand new house, sure. Yeah. If you have a hundred year old house, probably retrofitting, it doesn't make sense. And the same with if you have um, like IOT style um, automated or articulated venting systems for your HVAC. Or if you have, um, let's say you have a bunch of Amazon Echoes in your house and you want to make sure that they don't interfere with each other or you want to embed them in the actual walls or ceilings or you want to have them all networked or like <laughs> for some reason when you said embed embed them in the walls and ceilings i was picturing just like walking to the room with like a google home and just like throwing it at the wall <laughs> <laughs> just like jams itself into the drywall <laughs> yeah no but theoretically you could put a microphone and a speaker in every room and just have them all networked to a single like amazon echo like you could do it doesn't need to be a pod yeah you can a- if you have a brand new house you can do all sorts of stuff if you have a hundred year old house it's harder it'd be like my uh well actually my 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 parents took their 50 year old house and they retrofitted it with like cabling exactly five cabling all exactly, the way through yeah. the house just mm-hmm. before wi-fi became yeah. feasible for that kind of space <laughs> um okay i want to i want to change gears one last time before we finish this episode to something that wouldn't actually require redesigning anything in terms of your home but would change the way we live which is I think that robot companions are going to mean a huge change in the world of pets. Like, I don't Hmm. think that people are going to have as many pets. Because people, like, why do you have pets? You have pets for, like, companionship. You have pets for, like, a sense of, like, like having people, quote-unquote people, like, having things in your house that are aware and are, like, react to you. And I think that a lot of people could get that same sense of like companionship from a robot. Yeah. And it, it would be much lower maintenance and probably like a, it'd be attractive to a lot of people because like robots will make the best pets. 
mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Yeah. So that will mean there's going to be less demand for pets. I mean, like, why do people take in stray animals? It's like a lot. A lot of people do it because they're like, okay, I want to take care of the animals, but that's that's a pretty small chunk of the population. Yeah, um, that's fair. So I, I don't know what what the end. I don't know. Like, see, I would argue the opposite. Ooh, I'd get more pets. I think, like, in order to feel connected. <laughs> no, because I think the robots can deal with the stuff about pets that I don't want to deal with necessarily. Like, if you oh. have a cat cleaning the litter box is really irritating. Or taking your dog for a walk. So, yeah. You, you, so yeah, I guess the question is, do you get a robot dog or do you get a robot dog walker? Yeah. And it could swing <laughs> either way. Yeah. Huh. I, I'd love to have a house of, like, 12 dogs if I didn't have to deal with, you know, like, walking all of them all the time and, the you know, food and the cleaning and the shedding and the... Because dogs are happy. Huh. That's that's an interesting... Uh, the, uh, so maybe that's a personality thing. Because, mm-hmm. like... It, I'm not it, as cold-hearted as you. Yeah, okay. Well, we're a long way off from having <laughs> uh, robotic systems that are even as emotional and interactive and engaging as pets. Oh, no. I'm, uh, this is this is more distant future. But, yeah. but I could see, like, when we get to the point when I have a... Like it, when I have a, a an AI device which is of a similar level of intelligence to a dog, I would generally speaking rather have a robot dog than a robot dog walker. But that's maybe that's just me. Maybe the same could be said for a girlfriend. Like if you if you're at the point where you can have a meat dog or a silicon dog, like we're we're not far off from being able to have a meat friend or a silicon friend. Like you can. Oh God! Like at, at that point. <laughs> It just becomes, a, like you said, it just becomes a personal preference. <laughs> Pete, will you be my meat friend? <laughs> Ew. I do. I do enjoy the term. Just a, a slight, di- a slight digression here. I enjoy the term "meat space" for things yeah. that are not in cyberspace. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> it always, it always gives me a little, like, a little happy curl on my lip when i think of meat space yeah. but um it's just as inevitable if you're if you're saying that you could have a cat or a robot well, cat but you, could, you could have a robot girlfriend but we're already seeing that in a certain to a certain extent in people like people who don't have the same kinds of social interactions <sighs> that they used to with other people because of technology yeah like sometimes it, that, that's not necessarily saying like they may be having interactions with people on the other side of the world but when you get to the point where those social interactions are being done with artificial intelligences, I think we will see that kind of a debate, like that kind of a mm-hmm. competition between social interaction with other human beings versus social interaction with artificial human beings. And part of it will come down to ease of use. Like, would you like to have a dog that may or may not be an asshole and bite people or a dog that is guaranteed to be super friendly and to be exactly the dog that you want? To, that suits your personality exactly the same as the same as with like would you like to have a robotic girlfriend who is everything you've ever wanted a girlfriend or would you like to have a real like a human being girlfriend who may or may not be a crazy person like <laughs> if, like it, if you can create your own pet and your own companion if you can create things that you will then fall in love with because they are exactly what you've always wanted and exactly suited to you and your personality and your lifestyle that's a pretty potent pitch as opposed to the off chance that they're going to, 
I don't know, steal your shreddies. <laughs> all, all of the like cautionary tales about like the robot apocalypse, they always have that sort of debate of, oh, it doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, you need to, you need to have people like real people to interact with. And it's like, it's the fact that they're not perfect that makes them interesting. No, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah well, and I'm, and I'm, I'm genuinely curious to know if that's actually going to play out to be true. Like, Mm. Do you, am I am I gonna get sick of my perp- my perfect robot dog, and will I feel bad when I like just don't want to deal with it and I turn it off? I mean, part of it is also that I've been listening recently to uh, a couple of different articles that were talking about dating sites and how the conclusion seems to be now unanimous with dating companies that you cannot find someone a companion on a dating site. Like the odds of you finding like a life partner on a dating site are only better than in real life because of sheer numbers, mm. not because mm. any algorithm is going to do a good job of picking someone for you. Like basically there is zero evidence that sorting or filtering by personal preferences or likes or dislikes or um, well, there was- anything is like, is going to at all at, at all to any degree lead to a more or less successful relationship. There was the one, what was the one, there's the one dating site, they had their big claim of like, we led to this many number of marriages last year. Yeah. And if, e-harmony. E-harmony? Yeah, and if you divided the number of marriages by the number of subscribers, the it's average exactly was the same. Well, I think it was lower than the average marriage rate for people who weren't. Yeah. So you're actually worse off being on a, on yeah. a dating and that, site. That, that they were literally saying that like the old way that you met people was you would go into a mixer Mm. And you'd chat to a bunch of people and you may or may not find someone you like. And it's exactly the same online. It's just more people show right. up. But there are just as many dicks and just as many nice people <laughs> and just as many crazies. And you just it's basically just a larger pool. People are still horrible on the internet. Yeah. They're- and so it, it to a certain extent, we don't know why people are attracted to other people. Like we don't know what to def- like what makes somebody work or not work long term in a relationship and so if it's a robot like we don't even know how to make a robot that can impersonate a person let alone whether or not at that point it's even more or less likely that you'll find someone a robot that you have a relationship with rather than a real person i mean that's okay that that's what Mm -hmm. i'm saying Uh, that's why why i started with pets just because it's a really simple thing like when i was i was watching the videos of uh cosmo the little like robot friend and like the expressions with the eyes and the LEDs on it. And I was like, that gives me basically the same feeling I get from, <laughs> from, from pets. Like it, it, that's all I want is, is something that's, it's, that's generally cute looking that acts as if it cares whether I'm dead. And that's about all. I mean, like I have rabbits. That's the level of interaction I get from them is like, <laughs> yep, you exist. Okay. And that's all I really want. So I, I, I don't know. Like what? What would I get? What do I get from my pet rabbits that I wouldn't get from a simulacrum rabbit that's a robot? I'm not disagreeing that it would be difficult to make a robotic companion that would take that would do the same, achieve the same level of interaction as a real animal would. It's yeah. Again, no, it's personal. It'll preference. come down to, pre- yeah. to personal preference. As mm-hmm. I, I think that'll come down to the divide. And I would genuinely that's gonna be my new question when i want like if i want to start a conversation it's like would you rather have a robotic dog or a robotic dog walker yeah like <laughs> or like a robotic dog nanny because i mean the level of sophistication is probably <clears throat> probably not that different or and, an artificial intelligence robotic dog that lives on your laptop or just like or runs in, around or in like, like ar like yeah it's exactly just on your, yeah yeah oh, and yeah an ar it's a it's a virtual dog that only lives in your house when you're wearing your special glasses exactly it just runs around oh and, and does hilarious stuff 
but it never, <laughs> but it never knocks down your stuff. It never like breaks your like vase because it's virtual. <laughs> At that point, it's just a uh, not not a Pikachu. Um, uh, Tamagotchi. A Tamagotchi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. I don't know that 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 that'll be that'll be an interesting um, area for research in the future. Is like what kind of emotional value we're getting from like pets and whether you could make a virtual pet, which is immersive enough that it actually does give you the level of personal satisfaction that you get from taking care of an actual living being, uh, hmm. like uh, whether that could be replaced with a virtual device or not. And if so, what will that mean for like populations of domesticated animals? And then really inevitably you get to children like if you if a couple can't have kids because of complications do they adopt or do they have a robotic child yo we haven't talked about in a long time sword art online <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> call yep. back to episode like yeah. 10 or 11 4 <laughs> well, yeah exactly yeah if you have your vir- your virtual like virtual reality kid yeah is it as if if they're an actual if they're an ai that's learning and growing like a human being mm-hmm. do you get the same the same like sense of accomplishment from teaching your ai child to like live on the internet yep i don't know i'd be scared Mm. i'm already scared (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know that's is is that a good place to wrap up as uh, (laughs) like i don't know i don't know really unsettling note (laughs) of like will we stop reproducing once we start having ai (laughs) there goes our species yeah I, I think I for, got my silicon girlfriend and my silicon child. I don't need a meet 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 people. Well, I mean that, that <laughs> I don't need to meet people. <laughs> but that that might not be a bad thing. Like there will always be people who are going to want like an actual dog, and then we'll make robots to help them make it be less effort to have an actual dog. And there's always going to be people who are going to want to have actual children. But some, and, or some people might want to have robotic nannies. Which yeah, is exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I I think pretty much everybody's going to want to. Ro- <laughs> if I could have a robot nanny, I would totally go for that because that would not take away from my parenting experience at all. Um, for getting up in the middle of the night and stuff like that. Exactly. And just to like, just diaper changes. I want a diaper change robot. That's all. That wouldn't even be that hard. Even right now, that would be the most frightening thing. Like putting your child inside <laughs> some sort of machine. It's just like, it's like, it'll be fine. <laughs> it, comes, it comes out with a new yeah. diaper. It's like hydraulics where it's like, psh, kunk. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> okay, you need to stop making sound effects or I won't be able to get back. Um, yes. Where was I going with this? Um, this it'll there won't be extremes it won't i, I yeah. really doubt it'll go to either extreme no one's yeah. gonna, like no. the human population is not going to stop having kids they're not going to stop talking to each other but some fraction of the population may and that will be where it'll be interesting is seeing what happens to society as a whole yeah. once you have the option to have a virtual reality kid or and a virtual always, reality dog there's lots of potential for people that struggle in social situations like if you're on the spectrum or you just really don't like hanging out with people. Yeah. Like there's, there's lots of potential for you to have that sense of companionship and have that social interaction without the, the anxiety that can sometimes come out. Well, I mean like you look, look at all the, all the good that's come of uh, like therapy animals Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. That would be a lot easier to implement if you didn't have to deal with bringing like a dog into a hospital. 
if you could have a virtual therapy animal, they already have or a them. robotic. Mm. They have virtual robotic companions for for elderly people. Yeah, but I'm saying like, like that, that weird dolphin thing or whatever it is. Like the there was a movie about it. Yeah, but I'm saying like they're still in their infancy. Like it's, yeah, yeah, they're still sure. kind of uncanny valley. Like we're not even yeah. though even the ones that are really cartoonish, you're like animatronic yeah. monster kind of thing. But, yeah, I mean my my daughter is like fanatically in love with her slightly animatronic Care Bear that like moves his head back and forth and sings to her. Yeah. And then that's a, le- that's a level of reality. That's good enough for a one year old. And yeah, you know, exactly. we just got we just, we just to get that <laughs> step it up for yeah. the rest of us. And to be honest, she's just as happy with her stuffed animals that don't move around and sing. Yeah. But I'm saying like the, we, if we can make a, a moving around singing care bear that actually is designed to improve specific, like exactly. cognitive to make eye contact into like teach, like, prompting teach social stuff, interactions, yeah. Yeah. The things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. we could totally do that in the future, and it'll be fascinating to see what that does to the human race. Yep. The world will be an interesting place. <laughs> and scene. <laughs>